So the sign out front says, um, transforming minds and hearts. So I just want to begin with a sense of my favorite bit of advice that I've received over the years about that. Transforming minds, the best advice I've received is stay curious. Stay curious. Transforming hearts, stay silent or keep silence. So in this period after Easter, we've been focused on the idea of transformation. This 40-day period after Easter, when Jesus was with his disciples, as a time of reflecting upon what it means to be in the light, to be resurrected, renewed, transformed toward new life. And we have these little bracelets that Ariana gave out on Easter Sunday. Anybody still have their bracelets? A bunch of you. That's awesome. And they remind us that we are the light. We're always walking in the light. We're enveloped in grace and love and beauty, even when life is challenging, even when it makes little sense, even when we think the way forward is hard to see. The light never leaves us. So I want to begin with a simple question for you. When was there a time in your own life when you were transformed? What was that like? Where were you? What happened? What part did luck play in that? What part did love play in that? What part did community play? Was there someone who was singing in your ear, I'll walk through this valley with you, I'll walk alongside of you? What part did community play? What part did your own resilience and perseverance play? What about grace? What about being in the right place at the right time? What happened? What was it like? So many things happen. When I think about my own moments of transformation, I think about so many layers, so many dynamics. When I found the courage to take the path that was mine and mine alone. And even though it was complicated and there were lots of layers, there was a simple truth underneath it for me. A simple idea the soul knows something very important. Way opens. Way opens. The path emerges. So I was thinking about this morning and thinking about talking with you about transformation, and I was thinking about Jesus coming to be with those disciples And the shock and amazement they must have felt. The curiosity. And I think in those 40 days after the resurrection, when Jesus was with those disciples, he must have reassured them over and over. He must have said something like, remember how I said once upon a time you were my students, but now I call you friends? Friends are in this together. Everything has changed. Love is victorious. Love has triumphed. What the empire did when they thought they would kill me is just rearrange things 
so that love could emerge in a new way. And he must have said to them, the work is yours to do now. The time of being among you won't last forever. It's now up to you. The spirit of love, the spirit of life, the spirit of compassion and grace will be with you in new ways. With that spirit and with my memory, you'll do things you never thought possible. So these disciples who have followed this Jesus around find themselves in a position of profound transformation. After the 40 days of Jesus' appearance among them, everything changes again. What we can say about the life of the Spirit, what I can say about the life of the Spirit, about living into this Christ consciousness, is that change is going to happen. Everything changes again after the 40 days. And after a while... After 50 days, on the 50th day, the Spirit comes among them and the day of Pentecost comes. The birthday of the church. Pentecost comes for us over and over again when what we imagine in our mind becomes reality in the world. It's like Pentecost all over again. But think for a moment about the roller coaster that Jesus and his disciples have been on. First, they go to Jerusalem, and everybody is singing hallelujah. Palms are flying. Everyone is hoping that the emergence of this Jesus on his donkey means that something profound and new will emerge. The Roman Empire will be banished, the city of Jerusalem liberated. And we know, of course, that it doesn't work out that way. By the end of the week, he is dead, executed. Everything has changed. And three days after his death, his dear friends come to the tomb, and what do they notice? It's empty. Who knows what happened? But again, a dramatic change in the life of those people. The tomb is empty, and they conclude that love has prevailed. Hope has emerged. How many times in the story of your transformation did you think, well, that's the end of that. Maybe the dream I'm pursuing is not the right path. Maybe it's time to try something new. And you think the end has come. And it turns out that it was just a little detour. The path emerged, way opened, and there you are, transformed, renewed, re-energized. The tomb is empty. New life emerges. Those disciples are confused. They're afraid. They're unsure. And Jesus then appears to them. It's I. The empire, silly empire, thought that it would kill me and that would be the end of the story. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. They thought they could kill my message of love and compassion. They thought death was stronger than my message of life. My message of life overcomes death. So again, with his appearance, everything changes. And now, as he is with them in the next 40 days, after his death and resurrection, he's preparing them for the next thing. Their empowerment in his absence to continue the work in the power of spirit and 
the power of compassion and love. Transformation, you see, isn't a one-step deal, right? As soon as you process the reality of this new life in your transformed world, the next thing happens, the next growth, the next opportunity, the next path. When I went to seminary in Washington, D.C. many years ago now, desperate to learn about how people of faith lived their faith in the path of peace and justice. Going to seminary wasn't the end of that transformative story. It was merely the beginning. New questions emerged when I got to seminary, new paths, new avenues of growth. And then I learned some things over those four years of seminary and my internship in Annapolis, and it was time to graduate And then it was time to find a new church, which I did in Davenport, Iowa. And then, once I got to Davenport, a whole new set of paths and opportunities came. Just like the disciples, I had to realize that transformation was an ongoing deal with ups and downs, highs and lows, struggles and celebrations, and occasionally a blocked door. Come up against a blocked door, I had to realize, oh, I need to go over here instead of over there. All of it was forming me, all of it was transforming me, and growing my sense of empathy and compassion. The whole point, whether you're Buddhist or Unity or Christian or agnostic or never been in a church before, whatever you are, all of it is in the service of greater compassion and empathy. All of it serves our growing sense of connectedness. So, as I was thinking about this morning, I I called Connie, or maybe she called me, I don't know. We talked. And, (laughs) right, we talked. And, um... She said, you know, we've been talking about transformation and we've been talking about how Jesus hung out with his community and we've been talking about the butterfly and coming from the little whatever. What's it come from? Chrysalis. And um, we've been talking about that. She said, but I'd like to hear something practical about how do we start, right? If I'm feeling stuck right now, if somebody is feeling stuck, what can they do to get down the road? And so I remembered these 10 steps, how to begin changing your life by Forest Church. They're in your bulletin. Forest Church was the, um, he's of blessed memory now. He was the minister at All Souls in New York City. As he was dying, he wrote these things. Number one, begin here. Begin here. How deeply you would long for all the things you take for granted if suddenly you lost them. So much of what we want, we have already. So what what you have, want what you have, begin here. Begin now. You have everything you need, everything, everything. So begin now. Begin 
as you are. You have this whole treasure chest of memories and dreams. Everything that's happened to you has brought you to this point. Put one good memory with one good dream and you're ready to begin. Begin as you are. Begin by doing what you can, not more, not less, what you can. You have gifts, you have talents, nobody else has them in quite the way you do. Begin doing what you can. All right? I love this one especially. Begin with those who are closest to you. My whole ministry over the years has been about human dignity, human rights, and I want desperately to end torture in this world. I want desperately to end the death penalty in this world. I want desperately for an end to war. You know what Yvette Flanders said this weekend at downtown? She said, every war is a civil war because every one of us are brother and sister. We all belong to one another. Every war is a civil war. So I want to end that stuff. But what I can do as I work towards that, as I walk that path, is begin with those who are closest to me. I can talk to them about why I'm passionate about it. I can love them. I can nurture them. I can support them. And I can bring a spirit of nonviolence to those who are closest to me and in the process bear witness for my values. Begin with those who are closest to you. Begin by turning the page. If you're like me, you, you can conjure up regrets and disappointments with the best of them. But today you can open a new chapter of life. If you're stuck in place, watching the same old lines, revise the script, practice a new line. Turn the page. Begin by turning the page. Begin by cleaning up your slate. Don't erase the past. File it by experience to keep it handy should you need it. But don't obsess over it. Ticking off a growing list of grievances gets you nothing from life's door. As for the things on your to-do list you'll probably never do, let them go. (laughs) Lovingly let them go. Right? By again, by cleaning up your slate. And this is my favorite. Begin by looking for new questions, not the old answers. Answers close doors, questions open them. Answers lock us in place, questions lead us on new adventures. Every new insight raises a dozen questions. The more questions we have, the farther we can see. Begin with little regard for where your path might lead. Destinations are overrated. And never what we imagine anyway, right? Somebody just told me between the services, hey, you know what, I'm going to Mexico this week uh, because I saw my father uh, save up all this money. And he said, when we retire, we'll take all this money and we'll travel and they weren't able to do that because 
things changed. So you, we never know. We never know where the path is going to lead. So invest your joy in the journey. Last, begin in the middle. Our lives will end mid-story, so why not begin there, right? We're just in the middle of it. Don't wait around for the perfect starting pistol or until you're ready. You may never be ready. No reason to wait in the grandstand for some official to guide you to the gate. Jump the fence. Enter the race in the middle. Here, now, as you are, by doing what you can with those who are closest to you, by turning the page, cleaning up your slate, looking for new questions, and with little regard for where it might all lead. Begin small. Begin small. The first step is a miracle. You're a blessing. You're a miracle. God bless you. It's really good to be with you this morning. Blessings on your journey.